evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, your Guys Guys, welcoming you to the show. It's a special show. It's a Sunday night, November 6th. Wow, it's already November 6th, 2016. We've got a great show for you tonight. Our special guest is creativity expert Lynn Newman. We'll bring her on in a few minutes. Um, welcoming you to the show, everyone. Um, usually we do the show on Wednesday nights at 7, but we're doing tonight's show on a Sunday, and we're also going to be on, and we're going to be back this Wednesday at 7 p.m. with author uh, Joanne DiMaggio, who wrote a book called Karma. It can be a real pain, past life clues to current life maladies. Um, so let's talk about what's going on, then we'll do the Guys Guys Guide for the week, and then we'll get to our special guest. So it is daylight savings time, so here in New York City, it got darker early, a little bit cooler. Today was the New York City Marathon. Uh, I blogged on the marathon uh, a couple of times in the past two years and have run three, so I'll share some of that with you. Um, basically, if you're going to run a marathon, I recommend, and you're not a big runner, start training now for next year. You can either uh, run the New York City Marathon, the New York Roadrunners, Club. I think you have to do 10 or 11 races, maybe it's a dozen, then you're sure to get in. But what I mean is have a real foundation in your running uh, before taking on the 26 miles. I'll tell you very quickly what I've learned. You can read my blog on robertmanny.com. Uh, I've blogged twice on it, as I mentioned. Um, it's long. The race is long. And what you need to do is the most important tip I have ever shared with anyone. If there's one tip is go slow. Unless you're a real marathon freak and you do it all the time, just take your time because it's a long, long race. Five miles, if people do a five-mile race, seems long. You do a 10K, 10-mile race also, seems long. Do a half marathon, 13 miles, seems long. The marathon is 26.2 miles. And it's amazing that in New York City, when I ran back in 2000, and then I ran it again in 2004, and in between, I ran the Jersey Shore Marathon. So I've run three. But in 2000, I think there was 20, maybe 20, 25,000 runners. 2004, there was 30,000. And today, there was 50,000 runners. And I can tell you, 50,000 runners means you're going to be running next to people the entire 26.2 miles. Um, I remembered in 2000, there was some breaks where you're just running by yourself and it was actually pretty cool in some areas in Queens and all. There was big gaps where you didn't see that many people either cheering or, or that many runners. And it was kind of cool. I like that. But in 2004, I found it to be too crowded because I was running with people for the entire 26.2 miles. Never had a break, never had a little piece. And uh, I didn't enjoy the race as much. And I can't imagine how that race is now with 50,000 runners. It is an event. The other tip I would uh, give people for the New York City Marathon, at least, is when you're coming across the 59th Street Bridge and you hear all the cheering on the other side, many people think that you're done with the race when you get to the other side and get to First Avenue. No way. You still got 10 miles to go. A lot of people speed up there and they're euphoric and they're they're high on the, you know, the crowd and uh, mistake because you've got a long way to go. Um, but it's a great event. And one of the great things about it is it's the only time for most people perform 
as an elite athlete, because to run the 26.2 miles, you have to be, be in the shape of an elite athlete. You have to go through a big training regime. Not everybody, everybody can do it. I think that they're healthy, but you know, you learn, you have to use your mind, your body, and your spirit. You have to manage your injuries and you have to persevere. And really to me, the marathon is run before you even marathon day. If you put in the proper training, you shouldn't have too much to worry about on marathon day, unless you mismanage the race and go out too fast. I know. Cause I've done that. Uh, but, uh, you know, my first marathon was my most fun marathon, even though I had the slowest time. I went slow. I ran with a friend. We split up when there was about 10 miles left. I actually ran the last 10 miles faster than the first 10 miles. And uh, I sprinted through the finish line, pumping my arms, and I'll never forget that feeling. It was great. Uh, the other times I ran the marathon, I was in actually better shape. And my times were better, but I, well, they were both more painful. Um, the one time I kind of bonked out at, at uh, mile 20 because I was going too fast and I had to really drag my butt in. And the other time I was in the greatest shape I've ever been in. It was back to New York in 2004. And I bonked out like at about the 13 mile point And I had to really muscle my way in. And it was a really long, painful race. And uh, I kind of uh, went into like a sugar thing afterwards, hypoglycemia, which I'd never had before. And uh, it really taught me a lot about uh, you have to really be smart when you're running a marathon. But anyhow, it's a great event. What else is going on there? Real quick, we've got the election. Uh, you know, I'm reading, you go on Facebook and you go on social media and it's like so, it's so divided. This country's so divided. It's like Trump is the next Hitler and Hillary should be you know, court-martialed and <laughs> thrown in prison. It's like, wow, it's really nasty. And I'm glad it'll be over on Tuesday. And I hope it is over on Tuesday. I hope that whoever loses makes sure that they are gracious about it and allow us to get on with our lives and not drag out the bitterness for months and months. The whole FBI thing came out last week about Hillary's e emails. And uh, again, where they kind of, in July said that, you know, there was no further investigation. Then they dragged it up again and went through 650,000 of her emails. And it really gave Trump a huge momentum this past week. And his uh, followers, they went crazy on this. Lock her up, lock her up. Now I'm seeing stuff like, you know, she's a traitor. She should be executed and all this stuff. Like people are crazy. And uh, now today it came out that Comey said, well, we went through all the emails and we stand by our decision and, from July that we shouldn't do anything else in terms of uh, chasing Hillary around for her emails. So now uh, the Trump people are up in arms. The H Hillary supporters are cheering and it's all going to come down to Tuesday. It's going to be a nice day here in the Northeast. We'll see. I hope everybody gets out to vote. I voted already myself uh, because I had to be out of state on Tuesday. So I got an absentee ballot. I mailed it in and uh, hope everybody uh, gets out there and votes because it's an important election and no matter who you're supporting, um, you want to get out there instead of just posting stuff on social media, get out there and vote, do your thing. Um, what else is happening real quick? Uh, we turned the clocks back today. So it was darker. It was cooler. We're getting into the, the deep end of the fall. Thanksgiving's coming up. We've got a super moon here on November 14th, and then we'll hit the holiday season. And I'm already seeing all this like, 
pre-Black Friday shopping sales. And I noticed I was, uh, I had to cut through, uh, I was down 34th Street the other day, and I I stopped into, uh, I think, Lord & Taylor or something. I had to, like, see, check on something, and uh, they were already getting very hyped up about the holiday shopping season. And uh, I guess everybody's got their fingers crossed that it's going to be a good one because our U.S. economy is two-thirds driven by consumer spending. And uh, you know how it is with the retail stores now. Online shopping is starting to to make huge, huge inroads. And everybody's now even buying stuff on their phone, and that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I've read articles where uh, they're saying that half the retailers – brick and mortar retailers will be gone in the next decade. And you know what? I don't doubt it. So they've really got to make their bucks between now and the end of the year, or at least into early January. So we'll see what happens. Let's talk about the guys, guys guide real quick. Um, You know that the whole guys, guys movement is about when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. It all started with my novel, The Guys, Guys, Guide to Love, about two men in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. A lot of people thought that the book was kind of a relationship nonfiction book. Well, it is about relationships, but it's a novel because I believe in the power of story. So we started RobertManny.com, and I started blogging and writing articles about anything that had to do with life, love, and the pursuit of happiness, a lot of it about uh, relationships, similar to the main character in the book, Max Halliday, who... Uh, writes about uh, relationships in the in the novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. Well, from there, we started Guy's Guy's Radio, and we're up to about 200 podcasts. All of the podcasts are available for free on uh, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. You can also catch me on Facebook, Robert Manny Author, Twitter at Robert Manny, YouTube, Robert Manny Author. And again, the name of the novel is The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And you can read the reviews on Amazon. You can pick it up on Amazon, any of the e-tailers, the physical book, the e-book. You can find it in some bookstores still. And uh, you'd really be helping me because I'm bootstrapping the show. I have a producer who helps me out, but I chase down all my guests. I produce the show remotely on my own. And uh, it's not easy to do all this. I have to do all the prep, read the books. Uh, But I love it. And I love helping out the good people who come on the show because I've gotten a free education from them and met a lot of really terrific people. So I'm proud of what we're doing. I'm proud of leading a movement, if you will, where better men, better world. And when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. So if you want to hit me up on Facebook, Robert Manny author, or just hit me up at Robert Manny. If you want to friend me, uh, I've still got some slots left there. So that's that. Let's talk about our guest, special guest tonight and bring her on because I'm really delighted. Um, She's a special person. Um, her name is Lynn Newman. She created uh, The Game of You, a book and card deck set, also The Game of Insight, a board game. Um, and both are kind of designed to help you. She's a creativity expert with a master's in counseling psychology and who's big into unleashing the truest, freest parts of you so you can experience more joy, more purpose, more ease in your life. And those tools, the uh, the Game of You book and card deck set, as well as the Game of Insight, a board game for two players, help people kind of be the best version of themselves. And that's kind of what Guys Guys Radio is all about. So if you want to call us up, ask a question to Lynn or myself, the number is 347-945-5834, 347-945-5834. I know it's a podcast and a lot of people listen after the fact, but uh, just in case you're listening right now live, call us. I'm going to bring Lynn on right now. Good evening, Lynn. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. And uh, I hope you're feeling better. I know you were a little bit under the weather a couple of days ago. I'm still fighting through it, but I'm here, and I'm thrilled to be here. And I really enjoyed everything that you were talking about but with, about the Newark Marathon just a few minutes ago. That was fascinating. You know, and I forgot to do my guys, guys guide for this evening where I take on one topic. But let's say that I covered it with the New York City Marathon because I usually cover what I'm blogging about. And I just, and was one of the topics maybe we can talk about, I just blogged about getting married later in life. So maybe we can, we can incorporate your point of view on that when we get in deeper into the program. But let's start with what, what, how would you describe yourself? Because I think you're doing great work. I've gone through all of your writing and your games and your books and, uh, uh, and your blog and your website. And I really like what you're doing. And it's, you have a unique, unique, fresh perspective. Kind of how would you describe what you're doing and how did you get inspired to do what you're doing? Yeah, so, you know, I call myself a creativity expert. I do have a master's in counseling psychology, like you mentioned before, and my goal is to help people ignite new ways to creatively reinvent their lives. Um, Because, you know, ultimately I believe that everything that we do is creative, whether it's the way we think, the way we problem solve, or the way we make the most of our lives. And what I did was I sort of took my own creative gifts because I think of myself as an artist first and foremost and my, my, my psychological background and my cre- creativity. I was an actress. I'm a writer. I'm a painter. So I sort of brought all this together in, in looking at the aspect that each of us individually are a work of art and that we can be the artists of our lives. Oh, that's fantastic. So... When you got your start doing this, how did you kind of, just out of curiosity, um, how did you start doing that? Because, uh, you know, when we're, we're into this kind of self-help area, helping people out, it's not easy to get traction. My, you know, my background's in uh, corporate life, both client side and uh, agency side in marketing and advertising. And doing this has been incredibly fulfilling um, in some ways. But you know, to make a living out of it is really tough. So how did you, once you have your great background, how did you kind of start to, you know, get involved in this and how long did it take you to really get your roots there and get to really start to glean the benefits and rewards, both psychically and monetarily? Yeah, I, I, I started out with as a, as a therapist, uh, you know, um, with a private practice. And at the time I was living in Los Angeles and the majority of the clients that were referred to me were in the entertainment business or were okay. creatives of some sort. So mm-hmm. what ended up happening was that they were all very highly functional people. Most of the clients that, and, and mo- I would say a lot of people that come to me now are people who are going through transition and sort of that, that uh, discomfort of, you know, who am I now and where am I going next type of questions. And I started to realize that how I went about my creativity process, whether it was my painting, because I've studied the creative principles for over 25 years now, I was starting to apply the principles of creativity to helping people step through obstacles in their lives. Because as artists, we can get blocked. And then in life, we can get blocked. And so I, I became really interested on on how we can unblock ourselves to keep the energy moving, to free up our passions, to have lasting peace and happiness. And so this is how I sort of fell onto all of it. And then it just started to uh, build with the blogs that I, um, the blogs that I wrote for other magazines and 
um, and it's just sort of gone from there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting as uh, somebody who has, I'm kind of a left brain, right brain type of person. So I've had the business side and I was always on the creative end of things, but I wanted to be when I was in business to be on the business side of that and do the creativity on my own. And mm-hmm. I found that as a creative, I had a whole different set of obstacles to get through um, in some ways. But also, I found similarly some of the same issues on the business side. And what I always found in terms of being a creative thinker, just try to be a creative person, um, is that the toughest thing for me was to dealing with the system. Like I'd be at work in advertising and I'd figure out something. And the biggest challenge was getting it through to people and trying to get the idea out there. It wasn't coming up with the idea. It was getting the idea out there. And on my creative side, like writing books and my blog and my uh, podcast, uh, and I've got some uh, book proposals out there right now with my agent, is, is working the system. The system is so tedious. Have you found that uh, similar point of view from some of the entertainment people you've done with that? that you've worked with as well as for yourself? Yeah, I work more on the inner on the inner sort of levels with with people okay. and 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 less in the organizational type of psychology. Um it it's it, it you know, I would work with someone around what their frustrations would be and how we can shift their reactionary response to those frustrations. Um because I it's it's there there are ways that um I, I ask questions and offer. I, I, there's a series. There's an unlimited amount of open-ended questions that I can ask people that sort of bring an aha moment that drop into mm-hmm. that place of insight where you know where it's not an answer that we're getting from our brain or our mind, but it, an answer that we're getting from our innate sense of intuition. And so, so I work more on that and that level with people. What? Okay. Um... Without, you know, taking the risk of generalizing, mm-hmm. what are the issues that most people that you deal with have? And what do you think is, is that the same as for the general population? What yeah. inner issues are people wrestling with right now that um, a lot of people have and that these issues are so, issues that you can help deal with? Yeah, I would say that, the, that any sort of... Um, any time that our our peace is is altered, or any time that we feel stuck, or any time that we're really super frustrated with something that's going on in our lives, um, that that what's going on is a self judgment underneath the surface, somewhere buried underneath is a self judgment, and so the number one trick to getting unstuck is identifying what that self judgment is. And mm-hmm. then re- replacing the self-judgment with self-nurturance. Um, and so, like, I, there's a question that we can ask when this comes up. And, and, and once you've identified what that self-judgment is, is what if it didn't matter if I felt blank or not? And you filled that blank in with the self-judgment. So what if it didn't matter if I felt blank or not, not enough, not lovable? You know, because all... Because, oh, you know, wrong, bad, like I did something wrong, you know, all these types of self-judgments that we put on ourselves, that is where our, and we can project that out onto others, obviously. So we have to look at how we're reacting to the issue within ourselves because it's not the issue that's the issue. It's how we react to the issue that's the issue. So so it sounds like a lot of people are being a little bit, that kind of inner critic is uh, leading them around, uh 
Yeah, there's a lot of pressure that people are Mm -hmm. putting on themselves, you know, just this pressure to have to be happy and perfect and skinny and rich and have to succeed. And so there, you know, there's, there's ways to take the, take the pressure off and allow more permission. Like, you know, what if you didn't have to have it all figured out? Or what if there was nothing you had to do, change or fix? What if you already had everything you needed? You know, there's, there's these, you know, there's just these there's these ways that we can take the pressure off so that we feel um less um we, we feel less forced we're less hard on ourselves and do you, do you think oh, go we're ahead. more free go ahead. we're more creatively free then we can be far more free with how we're going about things do you think this uh this toughness on ourselves is driven by the individual solely, or is it a societal thing, particularly in Western culture where, you know, having been in the media business for many years, I mean, basically we sell people things they don't need. And uh, most of the things you see on television and in movies, it's a lot of negativity and it's a lot of fear-based stuff. And it's a lot of like, uh, you know, if you take some of the stuff you see on TV too seriously, you're going to be pretty unhappy person. You have to really um, manage your dosage of media, I think. Yeah, that's for sure. Especially right now, it, there, there's a there's a lot of toxicity out there right now. So a what lot. do you? So what should people do in terms of uh, you know? So I, I guess what you're saying is that yes, there's exterior influences that impact how you view yourself. Is that true? Absolutely, and I think we I think we compare a lot, and you know we take on the energies of what's around us, and so it's really important that. What we keep in our environment, how, how we, uh, who we engage with in our community, you know, that 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 they're that they're of conscious people that raise us up, um, uh, that 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 we're, you know, it's interesting. I I'm I'm not a Buddhist, but I I'm heavily into meditating, and mm-hmm. um, oh, so the so the the Buddha, you know, says that there, there's three there's three ways to enlightenment. There's um, there's the teachings, studying the teachings. There's the actual practice of the meditation, and then there's having noble friends and family, and that ultimately key, right? there's only one needed to reach enlightenment, and that is noble friends and family. Talk about that a little bit, because I think that I I agree with you, um, and particularly when you're dealing with things like Facebook, where you can get sucked into the gutter pretty quickly with these you know political discussions. But why is it so important to surround yourself with people with uh, good energy, if you will? Because because we we absorb what's around us, you know. We we and it and it affects our, ourselves internally. And you know, just like you know, why do we want to eat healthy foods? Because it it makes a difference in our body. We feel a different way if we're eating unhealthy than if we're Definitely. eating healthy. So mm-hmm. if we're surrounding ourselves with uplifting, supportive, you know, friends, family, and environment. Then we we certainly shift, um, you know. We certainly keep ourselves at that that level at all times. So it's it's, and you know, to be honest, I don't think watching too much news is that healthy. I don't think being on Facebook, seeing all that stuff, is that healthy. Mm-hmm. I I don't try to I try to engage with it as minimally as possible because I don't like the way that it affects my energetic body. Mm-hmm. I agree with you completely. Now, when you're dealing with relationships and we're talking about, you know, when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins kind of a guy's guy thing. I know this holds true also. So how did you how do you advise people who are kind of looking for love 
to manage their um, choices and who they kind of hang with? Well, I think it's really important that people understand what their own values are because okay. when they're when you're clear about what your own values values are then 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 you you know how to uphold them in yourself first and then you also know how to have how to how, you know it's important that those people around you your loved ones your beloveds have the same value system. And so often when you know people marry they don't they aren't really clear about what their value systems are and they don't talk about what their value systems are before they get married. And That's so often point. once people get married, they realize they're on different planes and they didn't even know it. And it's it it can break a marriage up. I mean, it, you know, because because values are so important. And and young people, I don't even know if they if the millennials actually really know what that is. You know, it's not something mm-hmm. I mean, I I grew up with older parents and, and being instilled with values and knowing what our values were in our family was very important. So I think that's the number one way to uh, to to keep um, the, the the frequency levels in a relationship at their best. I agree with you a thousand percent. That's a great answer. So thank you. Um, I looked at some of your blogs, so let's talk about some of the things you talk about, and then we'll get to your. Uh, the board, the book and card deck set, as well sure. as the, the board game. So real quick, um, how to let go of something that doesn't serve you. Um, a lot of people get stuck in relationships, and they, and even if it's just not a relationship, but people get, people have a hard time moving on. So how yeah. do you advise people to uh, have that self love enough to be able to let go? What can they do? It's a really good question, and um, I, I, I. I, there's this story about that I write about in the blog on this subject about the fact that you know when we put our hand on a hot stove and it burns, but we keep doing it anyway. And and this goes by the way for any patterns that we're wanting to break in our life, not just wanting to let go of somebody in a relation with in a relationship. It's 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 how we look at the way that we react to all patterns, and so. It's that thing where it's like we walk by the stove and we think, I don't know what else to do, so I'll just put my hand there. And we keep hurting ourselves not knowing how to get out of the loop. And, mm-hmm. you know, and we just keep, we keep, going, we keep going back to the stove going, yep, it still hurts, until finally one day we walk by the stove and we realize, I don't want to do that anymore. So realizing that we don't want to put our hand on the stove is the first crucial step because – we can be very unconscious with our looping and how we engage in our in our familial mm-hmm. patterns. It sounds like we're we remain children for a long time, don't we? We sure do. I mean, it's hard <laughs> to grow up, and listen, it's hard to let go of patterns and of relationships. It's and that's the thing. It's like we'll just we we we'll just keep doing them and get doing them until finally, you know, like. Um, you know, when 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 you when you've had the flu and you've been in bed for a week and you just mm-hmm. you're so bored, you just have to get out of bed and get back to your life. It, it's sort of like that with patterns. It's like just at some point we finally are so bored or or so distressed with doing the same thing over and over again. We need to make it. We need to make a change. And it's it's at that point when that comes up where it's highly important to um, take as 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 much self loving action as you can in order to speed up the process of creating what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll give you my aha moment on that same vein. Uh, you know, I got married later in life, 
which I just blogged about. Uh, and I had gone on three dates with my, with my wife before, you know, obviously before we were engaged or anything. And I was having such a great time and I had been in so many relationships two live in relationships, a lot of, you know, longer term, you know, a year or so. And none of them really worked out long term. And, uh, held myself accountable on, on, I must be doing something wrong. So I didn't want to screw this relationship up. So I said, so I told her, I said, like, I've had a lot of relationships, but, uh, you know, here I am and I want this to work. What, what do I, what should I do? What would you recommend for me to be a good boyfriend? And she said, pay attention. And the light bulb went off above my head and I thought about it. I said, anything else? And she said, no. And, uh, that changed me. (laughs) Why? Tell me why. Why did that change you? I love the story. Why did it change you? Well, I realized that I, you know, as a guy, the way guys a lot of times deal with uh, relationship issues, they assume that if they have a problem, they bring it up. You have a talk and you have your point of view and the other person has their point of view and then you move on. Um, But guys don't really think about um, the, they don't, they're not cognitive enough of how women are feeling in, in the little things. And women, women notice the little things, and they always know how you feel. And guys don't know how you feel because they don't bother to find out because guys are sensitive about themselves, but they're kind of insensitive. They can be insensitive about the overall relationship, how their partners are feeling. And I, as many men, have got kind of uh, blindsided. And didn't know why and found that, you know, I was with somebody who actually I thought was happy because she wasn't saying anything, but was actually unhappy. And I was like, you know what? This has happened more than once. And I don't want that to happen again. And so I'm going to do a better job at uh, paying attention, not to my own needs, but to the other person's needs and the overall state of the relationships. Because a lot of guys don't realize that when women kind of want to have those talks, if you will, they really want the relationship to be as good as they can be. They're not trying to bust your chops so much as trying to improve the relationship. That is on so the other accurate. Hand, yeah. On the other <laughs> hand, I will tell you one frustration as a guy is sometimes I'll get into a discussion even with my wife and we'll go back and forth on the same thing that maybe we disagree on. And I figure at a certain point, well, we just disagree. But, you know, the, the, she wants the conversation to keep going. I'm like, how many times can I say the same? How many different ways can I say the same thing? It's like guys don't want to drill that deep into the core of the earth and that women sometimes want to do because you can't, you know, men feel like, you know, you have your point of view, I have my point of view, let's move on. If there's a problem, we fix it. And if not, then we don't. And, but women kind of are different. It's more of a, you know, tennis back and forth, like we'll, we'll kind of get there. But, you know, it's a frustration for guys because even if you get into that thing where you're having, you know, the talk and all that time and you're, all, you're on board with it, at a certain point, it's like enough. I don't have anything. I I can't do it anymore. Yeah, Yeah. I I know that. I've heard that many times myself from men. It's true. (laughs) There's there's this fantastic video um, that it's 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 um, I think it's called there's there's a nail in your head, and um, (laughs) if 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 you if you Google nail in your head, it's so fantastic because it's this couple having one of these talks that you're talking about. And the and the girlfriend has a or the wife has a nail stuck in her head, and she wants to talk in depth about how her feelings and how her headaches and how it snags her sweaters, and then she just wants to keep talking. He goes, "Honey, there's a nail in your head. <laughs> Take the nail out of your head." 
know, <laughs> then we won't have this problem anymore. She goes, you're not hearing my feelings. She just wants mm-hmm. to talk about her feelings about it. He just wants to fix the problem and take the nail out. So um, it is the difference I, between men and women for sure. And there should be some differences that way. So that's as long as we're on an equal equal footing, there should be some differences. Um, and, the, you know, the world's changing so quickly that women are getting such long overdue recognition in their and, and men are in, uh, I always like to say that there's never been a better time to be a guy. Um, but a lot of men are confused and millennial men are like, they're caught between the MMA and manscaping and uh, boomer men are like, you know, they don't want to be sent out to Jurassic park. And it's, it's, it's not easy for men nowadays because they're not sure what's expected of them. It's like, well, I have to do everything I was supposed to be doing in the past, but now I have to do it differently. Or like, what am I supposed to be doing? And, and a lot of relationship experts that I've interviewed on the show, Lynn have said that, you know, the problem I have when working with women is I have to dial down, have, work with them to dial down their masculinity when they're not on the clock at work. So it's yeah. a tough, you know, relationships are tough with people now. But you have uh, put together, let's talk about your, the game of you, the book and card deck set, as well as the game of insight, a board game for two to six players, an interactive way to know yourself and create the life you want. Talk to us about that and how these tools can kind of help people get a grip on who they are and how to handle life itself. Yeah, so the game, the game of you, which is the book and card deck set, um, you can use for guidance with your life, major transitions you're going on in your life, it's your overall life, your relationships, or for your day-to-day. And it's like a handy guide plus a helpful toolbox at the tip of your fingers. And how you play is you take five minutes, you know, before you go to bed in the morning with your cup of coffee, mm-hmm. you can sleep longer if you want, and you um, you shuffle the cards and you ask the cards a question, and then you get instant feedback and a quick practical tool to apply to any issue you might be having. So so there's a there's a deck of cards and there's I painted all the cards, which was a super fun project for me, and sure. then. And then you pick your cards, and then you can read the corresponding chapters in the book for those cards. And they deal with the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical levels um, in all aspects of your life. And the Game of Insight is a board game version of the Game of You, and it's two to six players. And um, it's I, I sort of it's a fun way to invite invite deeper connection and feedback. Mm-hmm. With, with interaction with your family and friends, and I like to call it Monopoly for the Soul. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's so, nice. You yeah. know what? Uh, how did you – I think it's brilliant, that, that, and I think it's really refreshing that you came up with these games to play to help people learn about themselves. How did you come up with – you know, it's, and it's not easy to do. So how did you come up with the idea, and then how did you put the games together? And I'm sure you had to test out the games yourself, on, on yourself. Yeah, I did. I had to test the games out on myself, and then I at the I, I had I would have game nights where I would have twenty, thirty, forty of my friends come over, and we would play, and I would do them every couple of weeks so that as the game was developing, um, and I and I worked on it for like three years. Um, wow. But it, you know, it 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 I believe that working on ourselves can be fun, and I you know after having, you know, worked on myself for so many years, it can be heavy and it can be emotional and it can be overwhelming. And so I was trying to come up with an idea where we could get feedback and digest it easier in little bites. And that's why I thought of the idea of 
the card deck set with because you know to make it fun, but also all you need to do is read one chapter and work a tool. You don't have to read a book mm-hmm. front to back and digest all the information. And every time you pick a card, if you pick the card again and you read the same chapter again, you're getting the information at a deeper level. So it's 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 jam-packed with wisdom and insight that I've collected over the years from all of my teachers and my counseling psychology degree and my spiritual background. And it, I, I just it's all it's just all in there and it's it's super it's super fun and it was a very fun project to to do and um it brought all the things that I love together, painting and writing, psychology, spirituality, and I was really lucky to find a publisher who fell in love with it too. So Fantastic. Um, yeah, there we have it. Now, you talk about meditation also as a very important factor on your own uh, self-growth, uh, um, and I agree with you, and a lot of people uh, you know, have a hard time finding the time to meditate or getting themselves relaxed. I was actually I was on the elliptical trainer this morning, and there was this uh, alternative healer who was on one of these public access channels, and he was talking about box breathing, where you inhale for seven seconds and hold it for seven seconds and release it for seven seconds. And, mm-hmm. and you, you just go through this thing for two minutes. He said, you, just two minutes. That's all you need. It's just breathing. It's a yoga, it's a yoga, yoga inspired practice. But how has, uh, and I, I work on a meditative practice every day. I make sure I do one thing. And, uh, the, so the first thing I do when I, before even I open my eyes, I say, I am aligned with truth. And I start the day with, with that. And I f- figured like, if I don't do anything else, at least if I can align, have the intention of aligning myself with what is true versus what is not true for my highest self, then I'm, a, I'm in a good place. And then I go through kind of a meditation while I'm kind of getting myself ready for the day where I go through all the situations and people in my life and be appreciative and do some mm-hmm. other you know, intentions there, but, and then if I find time during the day, then I'll do a 15 minute, a 30 minute or 60 minute, but every day you can't necessarily find the time to do that. What, what is your practice and how, and it's changed me, but what is your practice and how has it affected you? Yeah, I, I, um, I do various different types of meditation practices. I, I have gone on retreat, silent meditation retreats. Um, there was a period of eight years where I went on three retreat, retreats a year from wow. four days to um, uh, 14 days sitting in silence on a mountain. And at that time, my practice really, really deepened, and I was meditating an hour a day, sometimes two hours a day um, off the mountain at home. But what what, I, did, what 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 did um, let me just interrupt you? I'm sorry, but what did not speaking? What did that do for you? It, it's incredible because you you everything starts to become sort of like 3D and 5D. It, um, that you reach this place of contentment where you sort of feel like you don't need anything else. There's a settling that happens after a while because you know it's scary and you're resistant. And I you know I'm always freaked out before a retreat because I know that the first many days, not always, but it, that there's going to be stuff that's going to arise that I've pushed mm-hmm. away on my normal day-to-day life. But if I let myself just trust that if I ride through whatever arises and I get to the other side of it, there's this leveling out that happens of just this pure contentment where I don't need anything or want anything or, or I, you know, and I, I'm completely satiated 
um, where I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't get those moments necessarily at home when I'm not on the mountain. Um, And so there's such wonderful moments when they happen you know that's why I go. That's why I would go back because you, you know you you'd hit those places of just mm-hmm. just lovely, juicy. Uh, it's just beautiful. It really is beautiful. And then you know you don't really want to talk. You don't mm-hmm. after a while. Now for the for the you know you're you're a New Yorker also, right? No, I I moved to New York two years two years ago. So I'm okay. I'm so, new. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you're still you're you're here. So yeah. You know, there's an intensity here that you don't find any place else. You even from the guy spinning the pizza to, you know, a- anyone, street musicians, whatever, it's an intensity. What would be? Yeah. And it's hard for people to find the time because everybody thinks they're struggling, and you, you get into the subway and everybody's grim, and uh, yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. And that is, uh, yeah. That's something I learned when I got to New York because, I, you know, it was really a shock to my nervous system. Um, cause I, I mean, I moved from Los Angeles, but New York is mm-hmm. its own beast. And, oh, yeah. And so I learned how I could apply, I could get the benefits of meditation without having to meditate from New York mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. I had to find it somehow. So even if I'm walking fast to a destination, I'll make sure that I feel the bottoms of my feet heel-toe, heel-toe to keep me grounded. Mm-hmm. You know, or when I'm eating, I'll put my fork down between each bite and chew all yep. of my food before I pick up my <laughs> fork again. You know, just ways to it. slow down and to be mm. mindful and conscious. And you know, uh, you know, or I'll, I'll I'll mark beginnings, middles, and endings. Like you know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm beginning to run this errand. I'm now in the middle of running this errand. I have now completed this errand. And those types of things keep me very much more present and centered, and it. It, it, it's like meditation. So what would you, your advice then be for, uh, if this is the epicenter of intensity, New York City, yeah. what yeah. would be your advice be just for the day-to-day person who wants to find ways to not have their head explode, basically? Basically just get a grip on things and really get the, get more out of life, enjoy themselves instead of just feeling just, put be being put upon all the time yeah i mean i think that i think it's very important to restore energy you know to come to 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 step to spot get to nature to go home and take a break allow yourself to stop to take a pause and take rests and restore i mean we really don't allow ourselves to do that very often we feel horribly guilty when we do and and when we're just out, just going, 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 rushing, 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 and dealing with everything outside, it's so important that we find moments to just stop. And even if that's like at the doctor's office waiting to go into an appointment or at the hair salon or whatever, to like put the phone down, don't run through all your yeah. emails, don't keep up rushing to go do something, and take that moment to just feel the bottoms of your feet, to be quiet, to pull your energy in. And to grab those minutes as much as you can. Yeah, it's amazing because even, you know, you get everybody, you get on the subway or the bus or whatever, and everybody's scrolling through their phone. Yeah. And yeah. But what really bugs me is you get out of the subway, you're walking up the stairs. People can't even wait until they hit the street. 
they have to like be doing this while pull, they're walking pull their upstairs. Phone out right away, and then they're like, and then they run on. into you. Well, look, they don't even see you, and they run right into you because they're looking yeah. at their phone. So funny. It's just it's out of, it's out of control. So yeah. um, one more. Let me let me ask you one more question, um, and then we can wrap. Uh, you blogged about the ten ways to create a, a strong, intimate kind of relationship. Could you share a handful of those with our listeners? Um, the, on ways to, the 10 ways to create true intimacy? Yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, basically I think that relationships are here to teach us how to be whole within. And um, it, sometimes, you know, we have to learn how to love the distances in relationships as much as the togetherness. I did not come up with that myself. That's Rainier Maria Rilke, and I just love it. It's to love the distances as much as the togetherness. Um, to really see your partner for who she or he really is, um, rather than what they've come, the come they've come to represent or your idea of mm-hmm. them. A great, great point. Yeah. Um, being willing to learn from each other by using the other as a reflection of yourself. That's a bigger concept, but I but mostly if you're triggered or reactive, the, the person that you're reacting to is showing you a part of yourself that you're not wanting to see. So so knowing that, that when we're re, when we're in a place of reactivity that it's important that we stay aware of what's ours in this equation, what's being shown to us. And okay. um yeah. And then, you know, getting comfortable being alone is really important to have a secure framework within the relationship. And mm-hmm. um, looking closely at why a, f- a fight might begin, I-, I like this one because some couples create separateness by fighting and then making up over and over again. And this keeps them in this what they call the romantic trance, which is creating drama to avoid real intimacy. Wow. So Talk a little become- bit more about that. Go, yeah. go a little deeper on that. Yeah, there's there's a high that sometimes people get off of having a fight and then making up because there's that, you know, that, that adrenaline rush of the fighting, but there's also the adrenaline rush of the coming back together again, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, having that love come back together. And so they, 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 they say that that's continuing the romantic trance, which is creating drama in order to avoid real intimacy, which is, you know, just being with somebody, you know, uh, accepting the ordinary as extraordinary and allowing yourself just to be in that simple, easygoing kind of thing, day-to-day thing that sometimes mm-hmm. can get boring and sometimes not, you're not getting your needs fulfilled because you're in that day-to-day groove. Got so, it. yeah. That's so fantastic. the idea there is to get a better sense of why you're fighting and like likely you'll fight far less, so... Okay. Um, yeah, uh, and I, you know, we talked about the game of you earlier, and I just wanted to mention I neglected to say that you can play the online version okay. if you go Please. to my website for free. And it's super cool. The cards fan out. You can click on the cards. They open up, and they give you a shortened version of the chapters so that you can actually play the game for free on my site, which is lynnnewman.com. And Lynn is two N's. And Newman is just like Paul, so <laughs> N-E-W-M-A-N, yeah, Lynn, L-Y-N-N, Newman.com. Oh, fantastic. I was just about to ask you uh, to, you know, get, tell people where they can find out more about you and get your, uh, you know, the book and the card deck set as well as the Game of Insights. So thank you. And I got to tell you, you know, 
this is part of why I love doing this show is that I get to meet, uh, you know, when I have a good show and today has been a good show and thank you is because I get to just have a discussion with somebody who I'm just meeting, who's doing great work. So thank you for that. And it's a, you know, I'm appreciative to be able to do this show because I get to learn so much and then get to share it with other people. So it's, it's really great. And, um, I really appreciate, uh, having the opportunity to meet you. Hopefully we can do this again at some point. And uh, yeah, I think you're, what you're doing is terrific, and you seem like a very nice person. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be on the show tonight, and I really enjoyed speaking with you as well. It's just been a true pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks so much, Lynn. Everybody, uh, it's been Guys Guys Radio, Robert Manny here, and our guest has been Lynn Newman, the creator of The Game of You, book and card deck set, as well as The Game of Insight, a board game for two to six players, and she'll help you with kind of getting the best version of yourself out there for everybody. So thanks so much, everybody. That's our show for this evening. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to be back on Wednesday night with uh, author Joanne DiMaggio. Her book is Karma, Can Be a Real Pain, Past Life Clues to Current Life Maladies. And then we've got a lot of other fun guests between now and the end of the year that I've got booked. And again, it's about guys, guys wanting the best for people. When men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And you know what I like to say? Guys, guys, finish first. Have a good week, everyone.